This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Nick Preciado. On today's show, we'll be discussing a homeless encampment in Columbus Park that the Federal Aviation Administration wants cleared out, as well as how some political action committees are gearing up for the next election cycle. A large homeless camp in Columbus Park has drawn the attention of federal authorities recently. The Federal Aviation Administration is pushing the city and San Jose International Airport to clear out the camp, located in the crash zone of planes flying in and out of the airport. Joining me now to talk more about this is reporter Lloyd Alibon. Hey, Lloyd, how's it going? Good. Hi, Nick. So, Lloyd, give us some context here. How large is this encampment in Columbus Park, and how many people are estimated to be living there? Yeah, uh, so this encampment is about 40 acres, and it's about uh, a mile wide, and it's uh, in the Columbus Park area uh, in the Coleman Avenue, Heading Street, Guadalupe River, that part of the city, uh, which is about two to three miles away from the airport. And um, estimates from the city uh, place the population there at about 200, but informal estimates from uh, advocates and uh, surrounding businesses place that number close to 400. So uh, if that's true, that would make it uh, the largest encampment in the city, bigger than what the jungle was at its peak. And and, uh, the jungle was uh, the city's largest encampment. Uh, It was just off of Coyote Creek, uh, which housed about 250 people before the city shut it down in 2014. I see. Now, why does the FAA want the camp cleared? Uh, Officially, you know, According to the FAA, the the camp is near a landing path near the airport, which could cause safety concerns. Um, One of the reasons they cited was the noise from the airplanes landing. And um, if you're there at Columbus Park, uh, planes are just constantly going uh, overhead uh, and and they're loud. Um, But the main reason is the FAA also uh, has designated the place, place as a crash zone which is a buffer zone between the airport and the surrounding community in case uh, something catastrophic happens like a plane crash or an emergency on a plane that needs uh, you know, attention and planes need to land quickly. Okay. What do the city and airport have to say about clearing the camp? Where do they stand on this? So the city and the airport, they say they're still in talks with the FAA and the surrounding neighborhood. Uh, to try to figure out how to best deal with the encampment while at the same time respecting people who live in the encampment. Uh, The FAA has threatened to pull funding from two sources uh, to the airport if they don't get their demands met. Uh, You know, those two sources being 15 to about 20 million in airport improvement grants and about 30 million in revenue from fees that are charged to passengers that pass through the airport. Uh, and the airport has been discussing building a permanent fence around uh, the encampment and uh, having that up and having the encampment closed by um, April 2022. Uh, and the FAA gave a deadline of June for the city to come up with a solid plan, but the airport requested an extension uh, until the end of this month, so July 31st. And um, from what I've been told from airport officials and the city and, and advocates, they're still figuring out exactly what they're going to do, and they hope to release their uh, response by July 31st. Yeah, as far as cleaning the camp, the city uh, has paused all sweeps following 
the CDC's recommendation to do so. And uh, the city has told me that they've provided connections to supportive services, trash collection, food and water supplies to the people who live in that encampment. I see. And now the actual unhoused residents living in this camp, what do they have to say about the situation? Yeah, um, from what they've told me, you know, quite frankly, they're they're pretty angry. Uh, a lot of them are pretty angry. They uh, This was an encampment that uh, wasn't as big as other encampments, say the, the jungle, before COVID. And then when COVID hit, the, the population just exploded. It, it grew over 200 or so people. And so they feel, um, through no fault of their own, that because of the pandemic, they, they've been forced to live at Columbus Park, and they just really have no choice, and they don't really see why um, they need to leave when it when they feel it is out of their control, and they, they feel like it's unfair that the the city is considering sweeping them um, per the FAA's demands, so the city doesn't lose money, um, and at, at the same time, these residents maintain that they haven't been approached by the city or FAA officials or airport officials to try to come up with a solution. Okay. And you know, it also reminds me of that um, South Hall, the largest emergency COVID shelter that the city opened is also now closed. I I guess what I'm left wondering now is, is it only a matter of time before the city sweeps the camp or is it possible that residents could stay where they are? It's hard to say, you know, it's the city's still trying to make up uh, its response and hopes to release it on the 31st. But it seems like they're leaning towards at least constructing the fence and, and working towards clearing the encampments. Um, but uh, from what I've heard and uh, what people told me on uh, at the rally on Tuesday, uh, activists, they've promised to put pressure on the city to have community meetings with the city and Columbus Park residents and uh, airport officials. And, and, you know, this is something that we've seen before recently, like we, we've seen activists um, with the flea market situation um, been able to push the city successfully to have community meetings uh, when they were debating on what to do with the flea market. So it, it's not, um, there may be a possibility for at least a couple of meetings if uh, activists do push the city to uh, you know have their voices involved in this process. I see. Well, this is definitely an ongoing issue. We'll continue to cover this here at San Jose Spotlight. And Lloyd, thank you for coming on and talking with us about it. Thank you. With the June 2022 primary election less than a year away, some special interest groups are already preparing for campaign season. Several major offices are on the line this next election cycle, including San Jose Mayor, five council seats, one county board of supervisors seat, as well as district attorney and county assessor. Joining me now to talk more about these special interest groups is reporter Vicente Vera. Hey, Vicente. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming on. So let's break down these special interest groups uh, known as political action committees or PACs. What are these groups and what role do they play in elections? Yeah, so PACs are political action committees. A lot of people just refer to them as PACs, so some people may not know that it actually is an acronym for something. Political action committees. So what they do is they raise money and they campaign on behalf of a candidate. 
So a lot of common things that PACs will do is they'll put out advertisements. And now in the age of social media, it's a lot easier for them to get a message out to people through Facebook, through Instagram. I mean, as, as the campaign season go, gets underway, you're going to start to see a lot more of these uh, so-called attack ads and just uh, campaign literature that's going to be floating around social media. So essentially, that's what PACs do. They campaign on behalf of a candidate. I see. Thanks for that breakdown. And now, so last year, last election cycle, there was a lot of controversy regarding one local PAC that ended up being dissolved. Can, can you t- tell us a bit about that? What happened there? Yes, the SVO PAC, the Silicon Valley Organization PAC. So this was an extremely powerful pack in San Jose. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here. They, uh, in 2020, for just District 4 and District 6, they raised over half a million dollars. And so that's that's the biggest pack in San Jose. But what happened is during the last election cycle, someone had uh, uploaded an image to their website. And the image was... Uh, Black people rioting among tear gas, and the caption was, do you really want to sign on to this? And this was supposed to be uh, directed towards Jake Tonkel's campaign because he had uh, advocated for a lot of police reform. And so immediately after this was uploaded, people were just saying, like, what is this? Why would anyone post this? And then SVO, to this day, has not, has not really given an explanation as to how the ad was posted, who posted it. They said it was posted by an outside agency but th- that's a whole different story anyways they dissolved their pack after this entire controversy and i talked to the current ceo derek siever and he says that they have absolutely no plans to bring the pack back and the way the way he talked about it, it seems like they're trying to put this behind them but yeah the biggest pack in san jose is not going to be present for this election cycle well that's a pretty big deal given how big uh, or how much weight sbo pulls in the business community in san jose a lot of weight. Now, uh, with the SVO PAC now non-existent, is there a business-focused group taking its place? Yeah. So there's Business San Jose Chamber PAC, and that PAC was actually started by some members of the former SVO PAC who you know, wanted to branch out and do their own thing. And so what they did is about a dozen of them just started this uh, Business San Jose Chamber PAC. And... Last election cycle, they were not very big players. You know, they only raised about uh, $84,000, you know, compared to the SVO pack. That's like, uh, what, like less than 20% of what they raised. Mm -hmm. But now that the SVO is gone, I I spoke with the person who's uh, the executive director of Business San Jose Chamber Pack, Victor Gomez. And what he said is that in August, they're going to have a fundraiser you know, to kind of kick off the election season. And he says that they expect to raise anywhere between 500000 to a million dollars. So at least from the way he's talking about it, he seems pretty confident that business San Jose Chamber Pack is just going to swoop right in and and uh, take over that void that SVO Pack is leaving. I see. And now for transparency's sake for listeners as well, uh, Victor Gomez is on San Jose Spotlight's board of directors. Now, besides this business pack, there's another notable special interest group already spending money against one candidate, Sajid Khan. He's running for district attorney. Uh, Tell us more about what's happening there. Yes. So the San Jose Police Officers Association pack, I mean, they're no stranger to attack ads. Last last election go around, they did a bunch against Jake Tonkel. They they just did everything they could with his name, Tax and Tonkel, Tonkel Truck. And so this is 
along the same playbook that they're doing to a uh, district attorney candidate, Sajid Khan. You know, his last name is Khan. So what they did is they played on that last name and try to relate it to the word Khan, C-O-N. And so they started this website called Shocking Khan. And they've been posting, at least last week, they did uh, about two ads, two runs of ads that cost uh, at least $152, according to the Facebook ad library. But yeah, I mean, since Sajid Khan is really an advocate for police reform, holding police accountable, really prosecuting them as district attorney, you know, it's, it's, it, it was pretty obvious that the, that the SJPOA PAC was going to put out something against him. I see. Thank you for breaking that down. And if any uh, listeners are interested, I talked with Sajid Khan uh, last week in a special episode of the Podlight. I'm trying to get DA Rosen on the podcast as well. He wasn't able to do that this week. We're aiming for next, so still trying to get him on. Um, as far as PACs go, this isn't going away. This is definitely going to be something we're going to see more and more of during the election cycle. So, Vicente, maybe I'll have you back on and talk about that as uh, campaign season gets underway. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I will definitely be following the 2022 election cycle because I am a, I'm a political junkie and I like to get all up in people's business. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Vicente. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it too. Thanks, Nick. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.